Welcome to episode eight of What's That Sound? My name's Stu Watts, and my guest today is Darius Papak. He has a company called Mix on the Move, which is basically a van that he's converted into a recording studio. So we discuss how he got that up and running. We also talk about why building a connection with your clients is so important, as well as his mixing process, which is a little bit different to what you might be used to. It revolves around summing. Um, So make sure you listen to the whole episode to get a full understanding of what that's all about. Let's get into it. Episode eight of What's That Sound? You're listening to What's That Sound with your host, Stu Watts. Welcome. Here we are. Episode eight. Today, my guest, Darius Papak. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for coming all this way. Of course. Well, I guess, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into you living in, in or working out of your Traveling van and stuff around, like that. Yep. But yeah, um, tell us first of all about who you are and uh, what you do. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, my name is Darius. I'm just uh, primarily I'm a songwriter. That's what I've done most of my life. And that's uh, coupled into becoming a producer and engineer mm-hmm. in the sort of latter part of my career. Um, I have worked at a couple studios, mostly Wrangler Studios and Restless Noise Studios with Tim. Yep. Um, Shout out Tim, who we had on the podcast. Yep. A few episodes Amazing. back. What a legend, man. <laughs> Absolute legend. <laughs> and then, um, I've, uh, started my business recently, Mix on the Move. So into my van, as we were just sort of talking about, I've built a, um, studio into the back of that. Uh, I've got it powered by the sun so I can travel wherever I want, keep making music, keep working on clients' music and stuff as well. But it also, uh, gives me that option to go to clients and stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's just a unique little, little platform, I suppose. Yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit more about that. Like how did, how did, where'd you come up with the idea or that sort of thing? Well, Like generally I've always been into the idea of tiny house living and stuff. I I would always follow those on Instagram and stuff. So I kind of always wanted to get like a really efficient small home anyway. Mm -hmm. And then that subsequently got me um, watching those van videos, people refurbing their vans Mm -hmm. and stuff. And I like, you know, building and that. And I wanted to learn about electricity as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... In during COVID, I was actually studying uh, a biotech degree, uh, cool. which, which I didn't finish, but it just interested me. Yeah. Um, but it meant I couldn't get paid that uh, the supplementary payments. Okay, and I'd already used all my Oz study and stuff as well, yeah. so I couldn't get that either. And I was put at this crux point where I needed to, you know, figure out a way to be able to manage rent and you know yeah. life and all of that. So got my super out. Bought a van, big risk, but, you know, I just thought if I turn this into a business as well and make it something fully efficient and that, you know, can assist. One of the biggest things that just always bugged me about being in a studio is being crammed in a dark room for hours and hours, you know, even in summer and on sunny days. Yeah, as as we all know, (laughs) right? Yeah, sometimes I walk out of here and I'm like, what time is it? It's still sunlight, that's cool. Scratching the eyes and being like, why don't I? You have no idea, there's no like... There's no weather. There's nothing like nothing. I've got my air conditioning, but yep. you know it doesn't do much. But I you mean, just it get does, lost does, in does it, it all. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, so I just wanted something that would give me another option to be able to, you know, you got to work with an artist in the studio most of the time. But then once it gets down to mixing, I don't need to be in the studio, so mm-hmm. I can just take, you know, go camping or something like that. Kick the doors open and mix. Yeah, yeah. So um, cool. So I kind of just. Put that all together, bought the van, started refurbing it. I had a little, a few issues getting it started, um, just mechanical issues with the van, which was sort of anticipated, right. but it took a little longer than I thought. Yeah. But now I'm, um, now it's in full operation, so I'm super That's happy so cool. with it. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, let's let's take a step back and we'll yeah. have a bit of a chat about where it all started for you. Like where where did music come into play for you? Love it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, as long as I can remember, I've been playing guitar. Uh, my dad, you know, he had eight guitars hanging up on the rack in his studio, um, study, I remember. And mm-hmm. he said he used to play guitar in front of us and we'd always just watch and then he'd just yeah, put yeah. it on the ground and leave the room and then we'd start strumming it. Yeah, and cool. so literally for as long as I can remember, I've been playing yeah, guitar. Yeah, awesome. And for whatever reason, I just wanted to write music as well. I, yeah. I, I remember writing songs like when I was eight years old. And then um, 
we moved to Saudi Arabia for four years. Uh, this is back in like 97, I yeah, think right. we moved over there. Which yeah, yeah. Super trippy, awesome, loved it. But it meant we had a little more money at that point. And how old were you then? Uh, I would have been, I turned 10 when we moved there. Right. Yeah, so uh, born in 87, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah. Uh, <laughs> time flies, huh? <laughs> I'm and, the same. I'm yeah. born in 87 as well. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody needs to know. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, my, my, so we had a little more money to work with. My dad loves music. So he yeah. bought like a basic studio, bought Pro Tools, which mm-hmm. was pretty crazy back then, the old Digibox. Yeah. And then um, and me and my brother, we just record music all the time, cool. write music and record music all the time. Like Do you still have all of that stuff? We, we've got all, we've got, we've even got the old sessions, but you can't even open them anymore. We tried oh, yeah, opening them recently, <laughs> but it's just all, you know, it changed yeah, yeah. so much. But um, we've got all those old songs. Oh, and yeah, that's sick. It's horrible, but awesome at the oh, same yeah. time, you know. It's what, what you started at sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, 100%. So, so who, who musically were the influences or who did you love? <sighs> it's such a tough thing. Like for us growing up in the late 90s and early 2000s, it was just that change in music where things got so crisp and awesome. So, mm-hmm. I mean, primarily I loved by my teens like pop punk, you know, any, yep. any, any of that. Blink 182, mm-hmm. Sum 41, anything. Yeah. Um, no effects. Yeah. But um, anything that was on like um, the Epitaph, you know, I yeah. just yeah. devoured those records. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah I'm right there with you. Yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yep. And um, but like, you know, kind of anything though. I mean, when I was younger, when I started writing music, my favorite artist at the time was Celine Dion. And I remember I used to just put I'm Your Lady on repeat in, I would have been like six years old or something. And I just yeah, used yeah. to look at that record cover and just be like, you are my lady, Celine, <laughs> and just like listen to it. I loved it, man. Like was a sucker for ballads and melodies, yeah, yeah. you know. Oh, man, and, and that one that Meatloaf wrote with the, yeah. oh, man, that track's absolutely amazing. Insane. Like, crazy, yeah. Exactly. Like my dad had that album actually. It's, yeah, it's nice. Phenomenal, but yeah, sonically even, like. That's it, right? It was, it, it was like, um, I mean, yeah, like it was ballads. Yes. There was a bit of pop in there as well, but it was like, it was just crystal clear. And that exactly. Was like, they weren't recording on digital in the in like 95. No, nah, no, nah, they wouldn't have been, or at least nah, not the like, most of it. No, know? exactly. So crazy, crazy. Just insane what they would do. And there was just something about it. Just anytime I'd have headphones on, like as loud as it can be. I mean, yeah. this is the case for most people, obviously, but it just drew me in so much I couldn't mm-hmm. describe it. Like all I wanted to do was write music and make music and make those sounds. I had no idea yeah. how or what, but I just wanted to do it, you know. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. When did um when did the focus on like mixing, recording? Yeah, so I mean I start like obviously I you dabbled recording, in recording like, yeah. when I was younger and I got sort of proficient in Pro Tools, but my brother who most of my uh, time making music, I'd make music with him sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and by the time we came back to Australia uh, and I was I had my old like pop punk bands in high school and stuff, I remember I recorded an EP and then um, I showed it to my brother and then like the next day he'd come back and he'd mixed a bunch of the songs and I was like, oh, this is awesome, man, you know, like yeah. once again horrible stuff but yeah, it was yeah. just so good to us at the yeah. time, you know. Uh, yeah. And um, I think it's a lot of it is just obviously the feeling of having something that you've done being played back to you. Exactly. It's like it doesn't it doesn't feel like anything else. Nah, it's exactly. like yeah, I, I was like back in like when I was 15, I was in a band called Rumor Has It. Shout out Rumor Has It guys. Nice. Um and um yeah, we had like a little four track tape tape recorder which is actually upstairs right now um and it's like it sounds so shit it's so bad it's a i think it's a um task cam yeah yeah. um but then i got my own one but yeah the sound of them was terrible but the actual just the ability to do that was like you were living the dream absolutely right to be a teenager and because the technology that exists now that you can get so cheap even if you can crack it for free like not encouraging that but that's how you do it when you first when you first get it but you couldn't do that back then no so it was like this is the best yeah and then going into the recording studio for the first time like for me it was like heaven yeah experience right (laughs) Yeah. yeah yep 
Totally. Yeah. Like we, we were fortunate to have Pro Tools so not having to yeah. necessarily use the multi-track, you yeah. know, tape devices and that. Not to say that we didn't previously because friends would have that when we yeah. were younger, but I wasn't so much yeah, at yeah. that stage. By yeah. the time I got into it, we had Pro Tools, so, yeah. you know, which was horrible yeah, to so, use so that clunky so yeah. difficult but yeah, yeah. you know i mean i like, still find it difficult yeah exactly <laughs> like it still kind of i is. can throw shade yeah. at all the time I that's it right care, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. i know it like the back of my hand but yeah. i can understand especially now that i've started sort of using logic and stuff yeah. as well just to expand on the doors that Look, i use obviously like whatever you use if you're good at it you're good at it that, that's it. that's what exactly. it comes down to yeah. at the end of the day that's right. um so did you remember do you remember if you had any like producer idols back then like did you know about producers and and mix engineers or anything like that back then or yeah not really as much I, I definitely back in my early days I was way more focused on the music like I, I dabbled in a little bit of mixing but by mixing that was basically balancing yeah maybe chucking on some reverb at one point when I figured out what that was and that was and about being it, way you know? too loud for it like, yeah exactly, like, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like, this is awesome yeah. it. why doesn't it sound like you know just that typical yeah. thing but but that would be the extent of it and my brother sort of really took the reins on that and did that did that side of it and I focused more on the creative side of things yep. and, and writing and producing. Sorry, my phone yep. keeps buzzing and I think this is Timmy boy. Ah, sure. Timmy. It is. <laughs> he knows I'm here though. Um, sorry, Timmy. Um, um, so then like, well, when when did it start to become like, okay, I'm going to actually do this myself? Do the engineering yeah. side. Yeah. yeah. So after, in my late 20s really. Right. Because after my brother, so we were doing bands together. We did Waverly in 1891 and then um, he... Uh, he had his first child and, and then at the time I was just started at uni for my biotech degree the first time I was doing it. Yep. And then um, uh, um, Andy, the bassist, he also had a child. So it was like we all just kind of split apart but I still needed to do music but I didn't have, you know, I was kind of a bit blessed to have Daniel, you know, yeah. uh, for lack of a better word, blessed to have Daniel um there to to, yeah, yeah. to to do all the recording side of things and so it's just like if i'm going to be able to sustainably continue doing this because clearly i'm addicted i've just got to yeah. keep doing it yeah i've got to figure out how to actually get better at mixing and and yep. you know that that side of things so you sat down and kind of started learning so more i just and sat practicing. down and started nutting it out yeah you know, really and when did the work come into play like working at wrangler was that first that was experience. that was the first time I sort of started getting gigs. Work when I when I was f- first at Wrangler, that was probably um, where I really started to be able to explore the mixing side of things more because mm-hmm. there was access to more plugins there and mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. You know, a few more microphones than mm-hmm. I necessarily had. You know. Um, because my brother kept all most of the studio gear that we had got. Um, yeah. So that was probably where it really started. And it was only maybe like six months or so because it wasn't like I was bad straight off the bat. It wasn't coming in, you know, not knowing anything. I yeah. literally sat through all the mix sessions with my brother. I yeah. knew what yeah. was going on. Yeah. It was just that he was holding the mouse more. He was faster, more proficient and sure. had these other skills yep. in it that I didn't, yep. you know. Uh, so it wasn't that far to get to a point where I could get work yeah. kind of thing, which yep. is fortunate. Yeah, but, absolutely. I mean, it is the way that it is regardless when you start at mixing. You're not good and yeah, practice. You, yeah, and people yeah. are still going to, you know, take a punt with you and give you some money and well, let you I mix it and it's awesome. Continuously you know? progressing. Like you, nonstop. You, you cannot stop getting better because nah. you keep learning stuff. Exactly. <laughs> and there's always new technology coming out. There's all always new mixes, have new techniques that you learn about. All exactly, that sort of thing. So you it's, know? It's awesome. It's yeah. And as you jump from style to style, you start really getting and, and Absolutely. doing it more often, you really start to get to hone in, in what works best for this style yeah, or that yeah. style, etc. So tell us a bit about Wrangler. What was the experience like? So Wrangler was um, Wrangler was really good in those early days. Um uh, Dino had been running that place for a good five or six years mm-hmm. as primarily a music venue slash mm-hmm. studio and he had Cassidy who was working with him at the studio but Cassidy had gone off to sort of do some other things as well yep. when I came in mm-hmm. and um, it was in uh, it, it was in like a bit of this tough spot because being an all-ages venue it wasn't making, you know, really yeah. any money yeah. um, but it had rent and bills to pay and all of this sort of stuff totally. so we just worked 
really hard together, mm-hmm. Dino and I, for a long time to mm-hmm. shout clear, out Dino. Yeah, shout out Dino <laughs> to clear all that debt, you know, as much as possible, and and orient things towards more having like a studio, getting you know mics and preamps yep. and all of these things, and try to rack up business. And so then I did a few mixed jobs through there as well, which helped you know us get a real good understanding that it could be done with you know other engineers and all sorts of sure. things and. I don't really work there at much much these days, but yeah. um, but um, in in those early days, like that was just a really good, good, yeah, yeah. fun, enjoyable experience. A great way to just sort of well, it's it's all learning, isn't it? Like you, straps, yeah, it was similar for me. I mean, when I first got the job here, we hadn't opened yet, and so I helped um, Bennett. Shout out, Marshall. Um, I helped him buy all the gear bought all the microphones, desk, everything. We kind of set it up together, but I was the only engineer here. So I was kind of yeah. like, I'd done my own stuff with my own gear previously. I had a portable setup, which I still got old um, Mackie 16 channel portable desk thing. But it was kind of like learning as, as, as I went here as well. It's like, you have to learn what the rooms sound like. You have to learn what the speakers sound like. You have exactly. to, you know, the, the more that you work with people, you start to, figure out different personality types and like how people work together and what to look out for to avoid certain things That's and it, yeah. all of those little intricacies that you can't learn without actually doing it. That's it. That, and yeah. they're the hardest things. It's like, it's like you can play and mix and you can record. That's easy at the end of the day. It's like, you just do it. Yeah. But yep. working with different personalities and understanding people and how bands actually work yep. is really difficult. Really, difficult. really, really difficult. Yeah. So yeah, man. Um, Especially because, you know, uh, both in music and engineering, like imposter syndrome is so rife that, you know, trying to work as a producer to get the best out of a musician who's feeling like an imposter, you know, and it's like you're both kind of doing Especially it. Especially if just like to get through at those. Wrangler when you're like working with probably more young bands, right? Like yeah, yeah, primarily. Much, yeah. yeah. Yep. And so... Even that, I've noticed like the different age groups have different mentalities and it can be really tough to work with young people, not in the sense of that, you know, it's not enjoyable. It's the fact that they don't necessarily have a grasp of like social things or finances and things like that. Or even just like being like being able to work with people toward a common guy. I feel like that's like a little bit of a a more difficult thing when you're younger, just because you haven't been in the real world exactly for that that long so that's yeah that was that was even a big thing for us that sort of made it troubling to get to a point where it was like you know what do you actually charge you know sort of thing as we were really trying to establish Mm -hmm. the studio because so many people are so young don't really have the money Mm -hmm. you're not really actually sure what your time's worth and anything that we made from those ones that you know that that like I was engineering or Dino was engineering mm-hmm. was in, in the end just going all back into Wrangler whether it was merch or preamps or yep. microphones just to build yeah, the studio and get it to business. you know where yeah, it is yeah, yeah. now like obviously Dino does that more than anyone you know yeah, but yeah. it was um it was really it was a really interesting time to sort of just yeah. figure out all those things and, you know uh, very rewarding to actually put all of that time and money in and see it grow yeah. and become yeah. what it is now. You know? 100%. 100%. Yeah. And then so how'd you meet Tim? So then Tim used to rehearse at um, Wrangler Studios cool. with uh, his band Loser mm-hmm. and Grim Rhythm and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would often let them into the studio and set them up and then I'd go into let them into sorry the main room yep. set them up and then I'd go into the studio and just work on you know some of my own music yep. mostly I'd be working on my own music or something like that just mm-hmm. practicing mixing and mm-hmm. putting stuff mm-hmm. together and then uh Tim used to often pop his head in Tim and Will and they'd just be like dude like why aren't you releasing your music we love this stuff <laughs> like what the hell this is awesome and made me feel so awesome it was yeah, really yeah. cool yeah and because, um, you know, like Luz is amazing, obviously. Luz Anything great, Tim's yeah. done is amazing. Like, yeah, so Tim's it's, very, very good at what he does, absolutely. He's just unbelievable. But so are you. But yeah. 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 Well, I appreciate that, yeah, you yeah. know, but like I also just like to admire when someone is something else, you know, that's just or it's such an inspiration, you know. Totally. To totally. I think that's really one important. of the best things about, I mean, and it, again, I've said this in on past podcast, but it is one of the main reasons why I'm doing it is because I've met that many people that are so good at what they do and you just don't hear about 
people doing this stuff. Yeah, you know, exactly. only if you're in the industry and actually have worked with people that you really know about them. Yeah, and so I mean, that's partly why I'm doing this. But I, I think it's a great idea. I think it's <laughs> so awesome. Like you know, it's the it's something that I'm like, ah, oh, this is what I want to always when yeah, you're yeah, on yeah. YouTube or anything, just trying to yeah, get yeah. any information from yeah. mixers and engineers. And sometimes the most important thing that you need early on is just to hear someone be like, yeah, man, I, I sucked and I, I'm still yeah. learning and it's okay. Like, and I, I don't, I'm not always a hundred percent confident, but that's just what it is. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Like let's, let's talk about, um, let's talk about your music and your sensibilities. What I've noticed is it's, it's very organic and, um, you know, for lack of a better term, analog. Like I know that that sounds stupid, but these days, yeah, but yeah, yeah. that's but, what I'm trying to emulate. But right? the sounds of early rock are really strong. You've got really, really warm drum sounds. You've got nice or acoustic guitar tones. You've got yep. really, you know, somewhat clean guitar sounds. Yeah, even if they are like you know overdriven or distorted, even it still to me is is very clean sounding. Um, but it still sounds like it's been put through a tape machine and stuff like that, which I really like. So yeah, cool. tell, yep. tell us a bit more about like why why that? Why does that sound appealing to you? Yeah. Um, like once again, I guess it's that thing of, you know, coming from the most addictive part of listening to music to me being in the early 2000s and late 90s where it was a little bit of that transition from analogue to digital mm -hmm. but also the combination of it. So we suddenly got this clarity mm -hmm. in mixing like mm -hmm. you'd never had before, you know, cymbals and guitars and yeah. vocals and, and it just, you know, sounded insane. Yeah, yeah. And it's just something that like that's it. That's what mm -hmm. got me into it and that's that's what I am most drawn to. So these days I know who the producers are and stuff of yeah, the songs yeah. that I really yep. loved and the bands and that. Yep. So I do know more about them now, mm -hmm. but um, that was always, you know, the primary influence, even just starting out, like trying to replicate my favourite things that I used to hear. Who, who are some of those... Those the, producers that you really love. Well, like obviously Jerry Finn, right? Jerry like Finn. You know, just insane. Yep. Like once I learned what he'd done, I was like, oh, mm -hmm. that's literally yeah. everything yeah. that I was <laughs> most addicted to, you yep. know? How the yep. hell did you do that? Yep. Like yep. Yep. it's so sad he's, you know, totally he, that he passed and that, that there's just so little information about his style and stuff like that. Yeah. But also that's... that's um, And the process, I guess, again, it was like that that time before... Before I would say, you know, 2010. Yeah. That's, I feel like that's kind of like the crossover when information started to become more readily available and you wouldn't even know who a producer was or what their process was or anything like that. That's so, it, right? You but know. yeah, man, who else? Um, so then Eric Valentine is a massive inspiration Huge. for me. Like Huge. I don't necessarily always like uh, the stuff styles that he'll mix in but i love his philosophy yep. of I am style right you know? like right there with you he's, yeah he's, yeah he's awesome. top tier for me so yeah yeah just yeah. just nuts like i love he he was he watching eric valentine's videos was probably the big because he's got his yeah, i don't know if people know obviously he's got his youtube channel where he just literally goes through some of his mixes and yep. it's just insane it's just what you've always wanted to see yep. and he's you know, being that he grew up from the analog world but has such a vision on therefore what plugins are good to replicate that mm -hmm. analog sound that he needed and, you know, just even things like where he'd be like, I have to run, you know, something through the satin first because if I don't run it through the satin, it just doesn't run through the compressor or the EQ the way sure. that I'm used to it running. Sure. Think just little things like that just flipped, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. just changed, changed my mind. So he's definitely a massive influence he's for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I'd say they're like probably my top two really, but even just anyone who's willing to give out information as well, like Warren Stewart. I love yep. Warren Stewart, obviously. Um, I'm really bad with names, so it's like I'm picturing people in my head too right Warren now. Hewitt? Warren Hewitt? Warren yeah. Hewitt, sorry. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go, exactly. <laughs> no, that's cool. Like I mean, a... definitely there's a revolution in sharing information. The thing that I struggle with early on, but now have a really good understanding is being able to know which, um, you know, which information is worth watching yes. because there's so much out there because it's so easy to do these days. It's like, what do you take on as gospel or what do you have, what do you disregard? And the thing that you start to notice when you obviously watch hours and hours and hours worth of these types of, um, 
tutorials yeah, is that yeah. half a month tutorials just regurgitate information. It's just like, well, you, you know, you're not telling me anything new. I've heard this from the actual people that have made records that I yes, appreciate. Exactly. I don't yep. know anything that you've done. Yep. But anyway, enough of that. Um, yeah, sick. So talk, talk to us about your, your process then, even with your, you know, mix on the move. Yeah. What, does what does a session look like like when you're working with someone or even working on your own stuff yeah tell paint us a picture i try to i try to keep it a bit concise between like if i'm working for myself i try to think of it as working with a client as well Mm -hmm. obviously it can't Mm -hmm. quite be like that but in terms of pre-production and organization of the session and then the following through with recording Mm -hmm. it's all the same uh so normally especially if i'm working with a client i i I get them to send me the songs that they're wanting to record, whether or not yep. it's even more than that, more narrow it down to an EP or a you know, couple songs or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then I go in with pre-pro with them. So yep. this can either be done via Skype, but with Mix on the Move as well, I can travel to the artist as well and sure. sometimes do, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that'll just involve really gauging what the client wants to get out of it. So whether or not they do want it to be more you know, pop or if they do just want to express themselves, you mm-hmm. know, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, I want them to be happiest in their product. Cool. Um, and then we'll go through the pre-pro structuring all the songs. Mm-hmm. I'll usually demo it out, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I'm going to be recording it in my van, like most of that sort of stuff, I'll usually get uh, the drums recorded at Restless Noise. Uh, I yep. normally just hire Tim to do it. Yep. Uh, he's a great drummer as well, super talented. He knows his setup straight away so I don't even have to be there kind of yeah. thing. And he yeah. just tracks out the drums for me and gives me a bunch of drums to the song. So start nice. with the drums and that saves us a bit more time in the actual session with the artist as well. Beautiful, beautiful. And then we just focus on layering it. Usually I'll play bass or something. I tend to work with like individual clients Solid rather artists, than yeah. full bands. I okay. do work with full bands and yep. it'll be the same process, yep. but there's less, there's there's more cooks in the kitchen, so to speak, and totally. so there's less. Um, and even space is probably like a huge thing, obviously being in the back of a van. It's in like the van, yeah, exactly. four or five other people yep. <laughs> hanging out, it's like. Can't all fit in here, sorry. Nah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and, yeah. In, and in a lot of the sort of – like in Wrangler's early studio, it was in a small room in the mm-hmm. back and that mm-hmm. as soon as you put a band in there, it was just, you know, hot and sweaty and yep. just yeah, it's so hard to focus. Yeah. And then Restless Noise uh, has a bit more space than that room did but um, like it's not, you know, a massive studio or anything yep. like that. Yep. So it's like uh, – um, uh, I just tend to find it a little easier to really work with the client mm-hmm. and get them what they want. And for me, it's all about making sure that they're happy and I'm producing the product they want, but I'm also producing the product that it needs to be as well mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, taking ownership of my part in that. So we'll do the pre-production, get in, then it'll just be down to tracking. There'll be some basic bed stuff that we've got worked out that we want, yep. but then it's like get that down and just go hammy, having fun, you know, really enjoying other layers of instruments and then do vocals another day just so that cool. we're not worn out and we can just lay those vocals. I love harmonies. So yeah, yeah. I just get tons oh, of I them. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I probably love them a bit too much sometimes, but I don't <laughs> no, care. No such thing. No yes. such thing. <laughs> Glad you agree. <laughs> stack them. Um, yeah, just, just stack them up. 70 it's, layers, man. Who cares? my favourite thing. You just layer and layer and layer and then whatever you don't need, you just cut out and it's totally. like it's just great, you know. Yeah. It's just, and yeah. then don't you always need all that much instrumentation as well if um yeah. if 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 it's not called for in the song. Yeah. Well I think what what you pointed out there to well what stood out to me there was having a connection with the person that you're working with. Yeah. And um so does that just kind of happen over time? Do you have like a, a, a period of like getting to know the person beforehand or is it straight into work most of the time? I try to communicate with the client as much as possible prior to going into the studio so that once we're there, mm-hmm. we're on the same page and there's that level of trust automatically. Mm-hmm. Yep. I need the client to trust that I know what I'm doing once we're there because yeah. the way I see it, this is your time and your money. So I've got a job to do. I can get that job done, I know it, but mm-hmm. we need to be on the same page sort of thing. Yeah. So there needs to be as few ums and ahs of, you know, this or yeah. that. Like if there's something that you're even not too sure about but I am very sure of it, I want you to just ha- already know that you can trust that it's going to be okay, you know. Like yeah. we'll just yeah. do it, go roll with my idea and, you know, in the end it pops out this awesome sort of yeah, song. Yeah. 
that they're always happy with so yeah. far, you know, and knock on wood, it keeps going that way, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, that trust is just imperative. So I really mm. try to have as many, you know, go to their rehearsals or Skype with them and write with them and, yeah, and cool. make them also feel if, if like some clients will come to me with just an acoustic recording and it's mm-hmm. just a bit like maybe just the chorus even doesn't even have a verse and so I'll write the verse out with them. But um, everything I do I try to make sure that they're aware, being aware of imposter syndrome, like that mm-hmm. they're not going into this thinking that they're not good enough, like they're just as important, obviously, you know. Absolutely. Abs- I mean, it. there's no product without well, that's right. Like that's the reality. And there's no, like the, the music that the client brings to you is their music. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, absolutely. It's so important. Um, talk us through some some of the difficulties that you've had, um, even, if, even if that's just setting up with Mix on the Move, apart from van issues and stuff like that. But, yeah, yep. but even in sessions and, and th- things like that too. Yeah, totally. Uh, Mix on the Move is a little easy to deal with because it's more just like a production house. Anything that's done in there is DI, guitars and stuff obviously Um, and and drums. I can't record drums in there uh, so drums would be recorded somewhere else. Um, So that doesn't tend to cause too many problems. The only real problem I ever had there was tracking vocals with a client one time uh in the van and it's pretty good because it's like well soundproofed and stuff mm-hmm. as well too mm-hmm. soundproofed for mixing but like i gotta do that for warmth yeah um and my inverter which is running the 240 volt system was just <laughs> fanning up because it was hot like it was a yeah, hot day yeah. and i was like i really didn't like it <laughs> i didn't yeah, this is suddenly becoming less and less viable what the hell's going on but I, i've recently upgraded my inverter so it doesn't do that anyway awesome. now which is good um but um you know they're all just learning those are learning processes yeah, but yeah. otherwise that one's pretty fine in the studio um particularly more so in my early days a lot of a lot of it would come down to I suppose confidence, it took me a little bit to actually get confident with, you know, um, not so much the structure of how you do things in the day but just when it came to getting uh, points where something needed to change or, you know, those types of things where I didn't necessarily have the full confidence or understanding of getting that across to the client because I would be overly concerned with, you know, making it the best experience possible yeah, for them sort yeah. of thing, you know. Oh, it's a tightrope. Yeah. Yeah, so like those things and then when they couple with just gear not working, yeah. suddenly you're just plugging into a line and it's not working yeah. and plug into another line and another line and it's just not coming through that line and you're going through the IU and you're just like just trying to make it look like nothing's wrong <laughs> and just trying to get it done as quick as possible. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just having a look at it. Like those things, they just start to wig you out even more and particularly in the early days. Like now I'm like, I get it. That's just a part of it. You're just yeah. supposed to work through those things, figure it out. Yeah. But um, in the early days that was like a tough one to mm-hmm. sort of deal with. It would just put a lot of pressure in my head straight away and then yeah. always obviously resolve it and it was never actually all that big of an issue. Yeah, and, yeah. And that helped me learn. But yeah. And so what's a, like, on the opposite side to that, a good either production session or a recording session, what does that look like to you? Um, like, and it's happened a few times when the clients are literally crying at the end of it because they're oh, happy. Wow. Yeah. And that just, like, there's nothing more yeah. that I oh, want, yeah. you know? Yep. Because that's, that's the goal. Like I got into this because I've recorded music so often with other engineers who just and producers who just haven't even given a shit. You yeah, know? yeah. They have job and that's it. Yep. And you're putting your heart and soul into this thing, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not that good, it's still your heart and your soul. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and so just that, that's probably that's the, unreal. the best experience. Like it's just crazy and like hugs and high fives all going around. Totally. You're just like, man, <laughs> this is what it's here for. And then you hit playback and you're like, yeah, we yeah. do, dudes. This yep. is awesome. Like, yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I had a recent experience with uh, Grace Frost, who's a, a young uh, solo artist. She recorded her first song with me in here and her dad like, like, like drove her here and then he came back to pick her up at the end of the day. It was only a single day and we got one song done. Yep, love and, that. um, and yeah. And when he came back and he listened to, to what she'd done, like he started crying <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, this is awesome. And she was like, dad, like, it was yeah. like, it was like, wow. Like, yeah, this That's doesn't ha- like, 
yeah, th- these sorts of things, they're not stuff that you think about when you're going into it, but you're absolutely right because it's such an emotional thing. We we really do put our everything into it as mm-hmm. songwriters and, and, you know, even just like what we might think is some shitty song, the person might have a really strong attachment to it. So you cannot treat it like that because exactly. that's not what it is to them. So you can't make that assumption. So no, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah that's, that's, that's awesome, man. So yeah. Hey, thanks so much for listening so far. There is plenty more to come, so don't go anywhere. I just wanted to let you know that this podcast is made completely independently by myself with no sponsors. So if you like what you hear and you would like to show your support, you can send a donation to the PayPal link paypal.me slash what's that sound the link is also in the show notes thanks so much for your support and let's get back to it let's let's move on to mixing um so what kind of first of all was 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 learning mixing what what did that look like to you was it pretty easy or was it was it more of a difficult thing to learn Uh, um the initial stages of learning mixing didn't feel that difficult mm-hmm. um, and I use feel specifically. Yeah. Um, it was almost like the less I knew the easier it was, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could do the things that I knew were good. Uh, again, it's like uh, it's a hard time frame for me because it's not exactly like I yeah, just yes. started when I started, yeah, exactly. you know. Yeah. Um, but I would – I don't know, I just – Thoroughly loved it. It was just insane. Yeah. I'm like, I want this snare to sound like this. I'm yeah. going to make that happen. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, cool. Yeah. It sounds like that. I want these guitars to be big and crunchy and just yeah. right there. Awesome. I'm going to do that. And like, I just, I wouldn't even care. I'd just open up an EQ and just <laughs> high shelf it and yeah, yeah. lift it up and just be like, perfect. And people would be looking at it being like, you can't do that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It sounds good, doesn't it? You know? Yeah. And then further on down the line, it was kind of like you're watching more things and then you're hearing, like other professionals being like, you can't do that. And you're like, well, maybe I can't do that. And, <laughs> then, and then and then my mixes started sort of taking like a, di- a dip and I was like, ha, huh, like I don't feel like I'm producing, the, even though it's like fundamentally better than what I was doing before, I don't feel like it has the same character. passional character. Yeah. yeah, you know. Like yeah, no, I, in it. That, I love that because that's a really good point in the sense that like, you don't know what you're doing when you're first starting. So you're just experimenting and you're just like pushing all of the plugins to the limit. You're just kind of playing around, moving knobs. Like who knows what a compressor is until you've been using a compressor for like three or four years. Like yep. the first few years, you have no idea what it does. No you know idea. what I mean? Like, yep. And so you're doing the wrong thing usually. and But it creates a certain sound that you wouldn't have necessarily been able to do. And I've – uh, you know, I, all the time I, I listen back to some of the stuff that I was doing, even only a few years ago, you know, even only before I started working here in 2019, even just before that in 2015, 2016, I'd never be able to get the drum sounds that I was doing back then now. There's just no way because I wasn't using the things the same way. Yeah, yeah. But you make a really interesting point in the sense that when when you do start to know how to use things then sometimes you get a little bit tame yes and you go yep. a bit conservative and then yep. it's like what why can't i do why can't i push shit why can't i just I'm do, gonna that. do it again exactly it. and then you yeah. just go and then you realize that at the end of the day there's absolutely no rules to how you do something it's how it sounds at the end exactly yeah exactly yeah. you know and yeah. that that was the biggest learning curve to really make me feel confident in mm-hmm. engineering and mixing because um just just that 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 it was really disappointing when I felt like my mixes were dipping their character and stuff like that and then once you just get that confidence to be like no nah, I'm just gonna do these things and but you're doing them in, in you know coupled with actually using a compressor a little more correctly now and yeah these other things and you're like okay now I can see how I can achieve all these the, the right way to push something instead of the wrong way where it's just distorted yeah exactly 100% 100% 100% and so what does mixing look like to you is it are you mixing on the go? Is that part of your process when you're working with someone or is it always after I, the fact? I tend to prefer uh, – I, I suppose my, my process always develops and it depends on the client, but I tend mm-hmm. to prefer to leave the mixing for afterwards 
but I'll take advantage of things like CLA guitars and CLA effects and Vox and all of mm-hmm. these types of plugins mm-hmm. to uh, give some life and character and expression to the song so that when we are tracking along to it, it's, you know, we can actually make sure that we are recording the next instrument correctly. Yeah. Because that's, that's the biggest part for me in mixing is getting it right on the way in. Right, you know? right, and right. once you got it right on the way in, it's just so much easier. When I first started, it was all like, I'll just record this big fat guitar and then I'll f- it doesn't sound right now, but I'll fix that later, you know. Sure. And it's like if it doesn't sound right now with the drums and it's not going to yeah. without a lot yeah. of work, yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah. And and the, so so I try to I, I really focus in the process on just making sure the tones and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, any compression that I might be using on the way in and EQ and all of that stuff is right and then you know then i can really focus on the mix yeah. after yeah. yeah and so what does the mix look like after do you always start with certain elements or is it kind yeah. of depending on the song i think i've got um a pretty standard yeah level that i go through so normally first thing i want to work on is the kit at least mm-hmm. or basic level like i do basic treatment to everything down the line starting with the kick mm-hmm. uh kit and the kick really anyway. <laughs> kick comes first. One in the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I'll do, I'll, I like to sort of anything that's going to be stereo that I'm not going to process too much on their own, like my overheads, I'll just put them into stereo and all these types cool. of things. Just try to get my session worked out as well, my drums through a drum bus. I often separate my kick from my actual drum bus Okay. Um, in like heavy rock songs because I really want to control that punch sure. going through. Um, and if I have it punching too much through the compressor in the drum kit, if I do have one, it can sometimes just yeah, just suck squash the life out too of much. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. Um, and then I'll you know set up my um, buses for my my master chains. It's it's weird, like because now I mix more in Logic than Pro Tools. But <laughs> I'll just sum things. So I'll yeah, sum yeah. my um, sum my guitar tracks and stuff like that, and anything that I can bounce down straight away that I don't have to worry to, I will. You know, just yeah, yeah, sort absolutely. Of stereo, stem. Well, it just makes that uh, workflow of mixing, actual mixing, a lot quicker. Exactly. Because you get all of that, uh, you know, the, I don't know if it's left brain or right brain, but one of them, you get that stuff out of the way first so that you're not having to do it during the mix. And exactly. It just exactly. makes for a more creative and fluid mix session. So, more like, you know, the thing that we got into mixing for was totally. just mixing and having fun with it too, a bit. 100%. So, it's like being able to set myself up to do that. Like, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll always set up a pre session, I'll do those main little things, get, get things treated the way I want, some transient shaping on the kicks and snares as well, you know, cool. just uh, my, my appropriate low cuts and high cuts to everything. Right. And then I'll usually bounce all that down and take it into a separate session. This is obviously after all the comping and editing and all those types yeah, of yeah. things. That's cool. Um, and then I'll bounce that down into a fresh session. So I feel like I've got, you know, some some now my tracks are really where I kind of want them. And it's a lot easier to balance them at that point. That's and awesome. then set my balance, get everything where I want it. And then I'll go through like some more proper treatment on the drums, you know, setting out the snare verbs and things like that as well. The room nice. verbs if I want it. Uh, bass is always a pretty good one. Bass is I pretty much nail straight away. It's like I need to get that work. Yeah, I yeah. get the kick. And the snare pumping, I need my bass fitting in with that. Cool, yep. now I can fit the rest in, you know. Cool, cool, cool. And then like vocals to bring the life out of it. And then I'll start focusing on like effects, you know, I'll, I'll yeah, yeah. shut that session down or like bounce down the stems of those sums so that I've got stereo stems of like all my guitars and leads. Yeah, so yeah. Take that into another session and then I can do all the, you know, well, real well fun I can effects. imagine like that's probably more likely why you have that more of an organic sound is because you're focusing on the elements as a whole. You know, you, you've once you've done the individual mixing of a kick drum and a snare drum and toms and overheads, now you've got a drum kit. Yes. And so you're mixing the drum kit. Exactly. You know, yeah. that to me in my head makes sense that it leads to a more organic, you know, band in a room type of a mix, yeah, which cool. is yeah. really great for, you know, feeling like a song has life you know that's i think a lot of the problem with you know digital and really really clean stuff not not that i have a problem with it it's more the the the, the problem of those sorts of things is it doesn't necessarily sound like a band in a room yeah so it can tend to lose that emotional impact to me that's 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 what i think but yeah Yeah, exactly which is like my inspiration for it because 
I mean, like I said, I have no problem. I love all styles yeah, of music yeah. and I don't care what the sound is, you know, kind of thing. Yep. But, you know, sometimes I want to listen to a band and I want it to feel like I'm listening to a band <laughs> and, you know, some people who are in that room actually playing guitars yeah, and yeah. drums and all that sort yeah, of stuff. 100%. Do you have favourite elements uh, in a mix? Like do you just love drums or vocals or what's your favourite thing? I mean, I love mixing the drums. Like cool. that's always one of my favourite things to do just – love <laughs> snares like yeah. just insane sometimes i just mix them too loud or whatever but it's like i don't care it's awesome i want that to be the centerpiece i'm happy with the way, the way cool. this snare sounds you know yeah, thuddy yeah. and just but crack in the good yeah, right places yeah. that sort of thing yeah yeah um as much as i love guitars they're mm-hmm. probably like my least favorite thing mm-hmm. to mix not mm-hmm. that, not that i don't like it, but mm-hmm. I tend to find it doesn't actually require all that much mm-hmm. work, you know, yeah, yep. particularly if you've got the tone right on the way in. Well, so. that's, yeah, that's probably what is uh, leading to that. Yeah. 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 yeah for yeah. sure. For sure. For sure. You know? Do you have um, like a favorite, like, even like project that you've worked on? There's like, would you say that your solo stuff that you have written recently is probably your favorite things or do you prefer to work on client stuff? Bit of a weird question. No, 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 but but I think it's a good good question. Um, there's no doubt that I definitely love working on my own stuff mm-hmm. um, just from the sense of having spent so much time writing music and someone else being in charge of the bringing it to life aspect kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. There's, there's something really rewarding at this point in time in being able to go, all right, I've got a vision for a song, I've tracked out, the demo, right, I'm tracking in the things that I actually want now. Now I'm mixing it and, holy shit, this sounds like what I wanted it to sound yeah, like, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, But the downfall to that is that I had a vision at the start and I end up with that vision and it's in some senses kind of boring and less exciting. <laughs> right, right. And the thing that helps me develop my style both in writing and mixing and all of these things is definitely working with other yeah. clients. Yeah, yeah. There's something... You can spend a lot more time on your own thing as well, just trying to achieve your one sound and narrowing down on this one guitar part or tone mm. or whatever. But like working with a client, you're on a time frame, you're on a budget, you know, yeah. all of these types of things. So mm-hmm. it forces you to be more efficient, have more executive decisions about those absolutely. things. Absolutely. You know? I think absolutely that's one of the main things that I found from working here and, you know, primarily working on other people's stuff. Whereas in the early days I was exclusively working on my own things. The difference is that, is that you do have deadlines and that you can't just waste people's time. Yeah. So you have to learn to be quick at stuff and exactly. make quick decisions and not second guess and, you know, be okay with the fact that if you make a mistake in that moment, that's okay. You can just keep working and it'll eventually sort itself out because it always does. Yeah. At the end of the day, there's nothing that, that is that irreparable unless you lose a session. Exactly. Right. Like, which yeah. touch wood hasn't happened yet. But yep. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's a really good point. I've got a, an analogy for songwriting as well with, with co- collaborating in general. And it is more in terms of songwriting is if you think of, um, you know, songwriting by yourself, you you can only draw from your own experiences and influences, right? So mm-hmm. I liken it to a tree. When you're songwriting by yourself, you can pretty much only create a shrub. Yeah. Like you've got a small amount of, you know, branches and leaves that can grow from that. But once, as soon as you add one other person into the mix, you've got a way bigger tree that has more branches, more leaves. And the branches and yeah. leaves are things like lyrics, melodies, um, cool ideas that kind of pop up out of nowhere, but it's because you're bouncing back and forth. You might be on the right track that you came up with. I've got this song idea. I'm going to write this song. But as soon as someone else comes in, they go, oh, that sounds like the police. You go, yeah. never even thought of that. Yeah, and yes. then you start to actually go towards the police avenue, which you had never even thought exactly. of going to it. Yep. And then all of a sudden you've got a completely different song that is way bigger and way more full of life than you could have created by yourself. Exactly. Which yeah. is if you aren't, um, if you are a solo artist, I guess this is a bit of advice is to try and work with a producer on your songs rather than creating everything yourself because of that. You, you just never know what you can create. That's exactly yeah. it. And that's, that's that 
sort of um, avenue that I definitely hone in on as well, you know, yeah. when I'm trying to work with clients and stuff. And so. just ask for advice. Yeah. Like get feedback on a track. Like what does this sound like to you? What can I improve on? It's just like it's Makes crucial. all the difference in the world, you know. Yeah. And, and, and often it's the difference between you actually even putting it out there or not. And that was yep. that was a pretty big thing. Like that was one of the massive things about Tim, you know, and Will and that mm-hmm. coming into the studio and being like, oh, your music's awesome. Why aren't you releasing? Because I'd stopped releasing music since 1891. I lost like a whole bunch of confidence with it, you know, just going through life and stuff in late 20s. Yeah, and, yeah. And things weren't really working out at school and stuff and I couldn't yeah, figure yeah. out what I wanted to do. Yeah. And it's like I just stopped even releasing music but never stopped writing and recording it, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And yep. um and then, uh, you know, at one point, um, years later after I met, met Tim, uh, this was just before COVID really actually, he called me up and he was like, you know what, I'm confident enough in my engineering. I want you to come down and we're going to work on some of your tracks. Like cool. these are the two I want to work on. Come down, let's do it. And we recorded <laughs> them. And they were the first two songs I'd released in five years. And it was just Unreal. like, that is insane. Because, I mean, I was releasing music since I was 10 in the schoolyard, you know, yeah, like yeah. giving out shitty little records and yeah, stuff yeah. that I was doing. So it was just like that, that was so important and just what it brought, I mean, Tim, once again, is just (laughs) unbelievably talented and what he would bring, you know, and understand in what I wanted to achieve out of my music, you know, and stuff. We have a lot of the same influences, but different styles. So just opened up the doors and it's like now I'm like, he's, he's my go-to all the time. Like I'm always sending him my mixes or, you know, same vice versa. We just... Just nerd out on it and just yep. have each other to be honest. And yeah, yeah. So you know, I don't really like this, and and doesn't even matter if you don't care that they <laughs> yeah. don't like. You know, it's just yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's just all information. It's just, correct. Yeah, it's, it's all just someone's awesome. someone's piece of feedback, but coming from a place of yeah, they know what they're doing. So exactly. It's like, exactly. It's like you don't have to always take opinions on board but they're coming from a good place so it's it's just worth listening to that and worth being like okay there. and yep. just mulling it over and being like what can i take from that and and you know yeah yeah if you absolutely. do that and you don't like take it personally or something if it's not in that moment it always comes back at a time where you're like ah oh, yeah i could see yes. I wouldn't have thought to now take this by this angle in this new song or something, but I'm now thinking about that thing they were talking about in the other one, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, it's just always help. Like, it's so important to have someone honest. Like, 100%. Let's get geeky. Yes, let's do it. I love it. (laughs) Talk us through some of your favourite bits of hardware. Yes, or hardware. All right. Um, well, I don't always get to work with heaps of outboard hardware. Yep. Um, at Wrangler, we had, we built up a pretty decent collection of hardware. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's the, um, art 76 replicate mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. and that, I really like that compressor. It's a really nice one. What would you use that on? Um, tend to use that on guitars. Initially I'd use that on vocals and stuff like that as well, but particularly with the art, it was just adding too much saturation. Right. I didn't, I like my vocals to be very clean so I can add the saturation, you know, down the track. Yeah, sure. I, I don't like starting it with too much saturation. Yep. Um, unless it, you know, requires it. Yeah. Um, but subsequently we got a DBX160A nice. and that, I started using on vocals, which is like not very, not, not known. So for I heard it. it is not very conventional, but I was like, whatever, it sounds <laughs> yeah, awesome. It sounds right? good. Just yeah. adds this clean body underneath yeah. to the, to the vocal. It's a really interesting compressor because there's not much control over it. Like no. you just set the compression level and then that's it. And it's exactly. Like, it's kind of like depending on the input, depending on the compression, there's not much control over times. Nah. It's, a, it's an interesting compressor, compressor and I've, I've heard some people say that they like it on mixed compression and I've tried it a couple of times and I, I've never I tried that. Yeah, I haven't, yeah. Uh, I haven't, haven't fully got it right. So it's not one that I go to, but I, I, I'm always like trialing things. In exactly. Trouble. Right. Yeah, and, and it's just, just like, you find a way that it works. Awesome. Yeah, cool. Go for yeah, it. Like yeah. the, I don't tend to use the DBX for anything else, even in plugin form. I actually was kind of like a DBX, you know, at first, mm-hmm. um, because I'd used it in plugins and I was like, just don't under, of course, that was back when I didn't really understand how to run a compressor anyway, mm-hmm. but I was like, it's just never doing what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Um, what about, what about microphones? Microphones. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm actually building a studio at my brother's new place with him. They're, they're about to move into it. So we're mm-hmm. building a studio there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a the dude who used to own the place worked for ABC and had his own studio in there. So it's literally just cool. perfect. 
Um, and fortunately for that, we've got um, a couple Neumanns for vocals, Unreal. which and we've, we've got those now because... 87s or 47s? Uh, 47 and an 87, yeah. Nice. Um, and we've got those because... I used those back in my old band Waverly when we recorded it um, with Craig Harneth um, and Jez Giddings uh, used that and it was just like it's really difficult for me to find a vocal microphone that works good with my voice. It's it's a unique voice. Okay, yeah. It's not necessarily a singer voice but it's a character voice kind of thing. Cool. So yeah, yeah. Um, it's hard to find that. So got a couple of those because they're awesome, crazy that we've got those, you mm. know, like they are expensive. So <laughs> I'm just like, geez, thanks. Like insane. I can't believe I'm working on get to work with some of them. But otherwise like alternatives for that. I really like um, – Ribbon microphones, oddly enough, mm-hmm. I, I say oddly enough because I like brighter sounds and mm-hmm. stuff, but I find that if you have a darker microphone for a particular thing and you run it through the right preamp, then you can sort of taper off the harsher bit of the yeah. height but then push it back through another, you know, post preamp yeah, and yeah. it just sounds so smooth and cool yeah, and beautiful. awesome but the body stays intact and all that sort of stuff. It. It's not like you know, pricking in your ears yeah, and stuff yeah, too yeah. much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, so absolutely. Really like ribbon microphones, but I mean, what do I say? Oddly enough, like seven Bs, I yeah. don't, I don't actually tend to like them all that much for vocals. Yeah, right. Every time I've ever used them, they've just sort of had this honkiness to it that I can't quite get rid of. And yeah, sometimes yeah. I think that's obviously just my method of recording it or whatever it is. But could even be the voices. Could yeah. be, and it could be that. It yeah, could just or the, be even those. the performance and things like that. Exactly. Because yeah, I've mean, heard people using 7Bs and I'm like, well, no, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what I want. And then i got to use yeah. it and I'm like, why the hell isn't this working? <laughs> like, so. Like that Simpsons. Simpsons yeah. Why does it might look like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly, right? So, yeah, so nice. um, it's hard to tell, but. That, like, microphones, I mean, I kind of just love anything. Like, obviously 57s are great, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. I just like having a selection of them so I can try. Ashton is a really cool condenser. I love the brightness on that for acoustic guitars cool, and stuff. Cool, cool. It's a bit pricky, so you have to blend it in with another mic, but really, really nice, yep. really nice mic. Let's move to software. Give us yes. some of your uh, some some go-to plugins. Yep. Uh, so, well, go-to's 100%. Satin 2 is one of my best friends. Thanks, Eric Valentine, for teaching me about that one. <laughs> it's just crazy. It's like transformed, oh, yeah. my mix pro- transformed my mix process. I try to look for plugins that take out, you know, what the Satin does for me would have taken me three steps and three plugins to do previously, yeah. you know, three or four steps kind of thing. Yeah. Because it's adding a level of saturation, but it's also splitting that saturation so it doesn't multi-band, have to be too yeah. much on, you know, whichever one you are with mm-hmm. the multiband. Therefore, subsequently, it's also a level of compression. Yep. Um, and it just, and, and in theory, like a little bit of EQ as well, yeah. if, you know, oh, depending on how you do it. So, Or depending on the setting of the, uh, you know, which input you exactly right stuff yeah like that. Oh, it's crazy. i tend to just it's use crazy like tape or tube but yeah when i do use the other ones i'm just like this is insane this plugin is just a gift that keeps giving like well one one thing that i love satin on is bass guitar because yes. you know you want to treat the different areas of the um frequency range of a bass in different ways you know mm-hmm. you don't want your bass the the real bottom end to do too much distortion because it ruins the actual base exactly of it but then you don't want to you know do it too much on the really high part of the base because then this the moving of the hand you can hear that too much or the the pick attack or whatever it might be so splitting that up and attacking that in different ways and just adding little bits of subtle saturation here and there on those parts but then cranking the actual distortion on the the center bit to give it that real dirty bass tone i love it it's crazy it's unreal yeah it's unreal like that's transformed my bass mixing Mm -hmm. i remember i struggled a bit to Mm -hmm. really i love big bass Mm -hmm. and i struggled to get it right you know Mm -hmm. um and just with chucking that it's always the first one that i'll do and i'll use like a tube on the low end just to Mm -hmm. keep it a little more round you know Mm -hmm. conventionally yeah and then i'll go warm tape just in a band between 600 and okay to try and get that 800 Mm -hmm. and i just push it a whole way and then i'll crank it down like on the actual band a little bit if i need to Mm -hmm. and then i'll mellow out the highs just with usually warm tape as well or something like that just to keep it a bit smoother (laughs) you know but just that those options insane yeah i used to use a lot of the slate stuff Mm -hmm. um i've still got my slate subscription but i'm thinking of moving away from it Mm -hmm. not that i have a problem with slate like just 
too much to choose from mm -hmm. in all the plugins. Um, not not in Slate, like just within all the um, yeah, yeah. you know plugin just brands, about everything. Yeah, yeah. So Slate Slate was my favorite. Slate taught me about what I wanted to get out of plugins and stuff. Yeah, like the virtual mix rack is so yes. good, and uh, the preamps and the tape saturation on that is yep. so good. You know, yeah. And the fact that you can combine that. But what always bothered me about the virtual mix rack is I can't stick a reverb yeah, to start in my between. preamp. Yeah. So I'd have to go a mix rack just for my initial preamp saturation or whatever and then, then I'd have to, one. you know, stick something and then stick it off the rest. Mm -hmm. So that kind of bothered me and that's what I liked about Satin where it sort of saved me a couple of those those yeah, nice. steps as well. Yep. Um, I really liked their gate for a bit, um, especially in like Rock Song where I just don't want anything else coming in. I just want yep. that kick, you know. Yeah, yep. Just clicking. Yep. Or if I need to gate something to use it in a trigger. So, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it's super handy for that. Yep. Um, but I've, I've recently got the Fab Filter plan. So, um, nice. like the Pro G gates, just awesome. The Pro MB, like all of these types of things. Yeah, yeah. And then I also bought a subscription to Plugin Alliance because I'm just addicted <laughs> to plugins. Yeah. Don't worry, don't worry. Don't <laughs> worry. When, I, when I first went freelance at like, I went through that exact thing of like just thousands of dollars worth of yep. plugins and it's, it's like got to have it all and then you do, you know, you do find ways to use them. Yes. I think most people would but then there are other ones that you're like, I didn't need to buy that. Yeah, but, exactly, exactly. But that's why trialing plugins is really cool but I still don't do it. But anyway, I kind of just take the jump. If I know I want something then I just do it and live with the consequences because it's like there will be a time when I use it. It's never like that big of an, you know. Unless it's you're nice. buying $400 plugins each time which yeah, right. there's not many of them anyway so it's like. And usually you can always just, you know, be a little bit patient and get it on a Black Friday sale or exactly. whatever and it's like yep. nuts cheap. Yep. Um, what I like about plugin alliance is that you buy their plugins you buy the subscription but then uh or either you pay the year up front and they straight away give you 250 bucks to just buy plugins mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and they do that every single year mm -hmm. or they, if you're on the subscription they'll give it to you at the end but i like that idea because it means i'm going to keep that subscription mm -hmm. there's like the brainwork stuff is just too good yep. and i don't have a uad um uh, yeah, interface yeah. so i yeah. can't use that stuff i've got uadx though now spark and yeah. i mean that's just those if it wasn't for getting fab filter and uad spark i'd i'd consider keeping slate but i'm just now like i, I can't i don't yeah. think i can keep that one anymore only things i really use from slate these days now is like the kilo hearts package which yeah kilo hearts is great you know, for free anyway kilo from kilo hearts, hearts. so good yeah, Kilo Hearts is amazing. Multipass like, and Snap Heap are crazy yeah. plugins. I love those. The transient shape of them is yep. just so easy and great. just does exactly what I want, like on my keyboard. Yep. You know? like, Absolutely. Nuts. I love it, man. Yep. Well, we'll start to wrap it up. But what I like to do um, towards the end is just find a, you know, a final bit of advice for any people that are just starting out as producers and engineers and then also some advice that you might have for any artists that might be listening as well. Yeah, totally. Um, particularly for, if, for producers and engineers, um, just do it. Like just, just get yourself logic or whatever, GarageBand, like find yourself a crack. Most of these companies, uh, I'm not suggesting anyone should do anything like that, but most of these companies kind of do that inbuilt regardless because they go, well, if you're using Logic yeah. as a crack, then you're going to buy Logic when you need it, you yeah. know, and yeah. that, or at least that's how it used to be. So I'm like, do what you need to do to get your basic set up so that you can just start tracking mm -hmm. and then just start tracking with some friends that you can trust, you yeah. know, whether you write or they write or you both write or whatever, just get into it and start collaborating and working and just seeing what you can get. So you actually start to know what your problems are. Mm -hmm. And trust me, they're never going to go away. One solution means in some senses two more problems and yeah. down the track. And that's just the way it is, but that's the beauty of it. Like yeah. you're never, oh, yeah, I shouldn't say you're never, but it's going to be a long, long time until you're actually really confident and that's okay. That's what makes you get better. Just keep just yeah. keep doing it watch videos like I've, i'm starting to put up videos of my mix sessions and stuff like more and more people are being transparent about it just watch it but also don't try to do what someone else does and this is what i say in my videos like you find your style these are just my things hopefully one or two things sticks with you, you yeah know, that's yeah. all it is it's just yeah, nice beautiful. to observe absolutely um, same thing for artists though if you've got a friend who wants to be an engineer work together to just get that happening and then just make some music together that's 
the only experience I have of it, me and my brother just had a studio, little basic setup, and we just recorded and recorded and recorded. Yeah. And it was the best fun in the world. Yeah. And <laughs> like, you know, I'm here I am 35 and I'm still doing it. And yeah. I never see me stopping, like dropping out of my biotech degree twice because I'm like, I might like that, but I'm addicted. Yeah. Like, you know, yes. if it's for you, it's for you. Just do 100%, 100%. it. 100%. You know? I love that, man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, where can people find you online or if they want to reach out to you? Uh, so I've got, I've got my website, mixonthemove.com.au, um, which has like my Gmail and stuff, which you can contact and just a bit of information about what I do. I probably should update it a little bit better nowadays, but constantly still, updating websites. Right. Everything changes. But that's pretty relevant. Or if you want to listen to my music, uh, it's on the band names Dilly, D-I-L-L-Y. Uh, so you can go there and listen to my songs that I'm releasing. I'm, sort of working towards doing more of an EP rather than just releasing singles at the moment. Yeah. And then, um, you know, uh, if you're ever recording at Restless Noise, I'm sure you'll probably see me or hear about me. <laughs> me and my boy Timmy, we're always, always working together. So Cooking stuff up. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, those are the main two places, but, you know, Insta and all that, I've got that for Mix on the Move and Dilly. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Well, thanks so much Legend. for joining me. This has been awesome. So much fun. So much fun. Heaps of really, really cool advice. Thank you guys for checking us out, for listening, watching. As always, if you liked this, please show your support and share it to a friend. Spread the word. Hit followers or subscribe on whichever platform you're on. Thank you so much for your support so far. It's been awesome, but there's more to come. So stay tuned for the next episode of What's That Sound? See ya. Thanks for listening to What's That Sound? Make sure you hit follow or subscribe on your podcast platform to stay up to date with each new episode. We'll catch you next time.